Well, somebody say amen. Let's do that again. Somebody say amen. 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 Because precious Jesus, precious Jesus. Ed, thank you for, I don't don't know if you noticed this or not, and you probably won't notice this for a few minutes, but uh, for right now, I can tell you, because I know what's about to be preached, that everything that has led up to this point has pointed to one certain thing, and it's the power of one. And so to our ministers of music, our contemporary minister, our traditional minister, whatever the case may be, their ministers is what they are, I want to say thank you because everything they do points to this particular time. Everybody that participates in worship planning does that from week to week, and I'm very grateful for that. Well, good morning and thank you for being here today. I'm very honored that I would be able to stand in the pulpit today and and speak in Brother Fred's absence. I think he is away at possibly a Guidestone meeting or something. He's representing our church there, and we're grateful that he can do that, and I'm grateful that you give him that opportunity because then it turns around and gives me an opportunity. And uh, not that I want him to go somewhere or anything like that, but that I didn't get the opportunity. So praise the Lord for that. Um, As your uh, Notla River Baptist Association, did y'all know that exists? The Notla River Baptist Association, it's a a bunch of 26 Southern Baptist churches in Union County that uh, come together. And I now serve, and I don't know if you know this or not, I now serve as the associational mission strategist for those 26 churches. And I absolutely love what I do. Now, one thing that does is it does pull me out of this church every Sunday. Now, I come at 9 o'clock and, and typically run sound or, or something and listen to the preaching, but then I have the opportunity to go to another church and hear preaching and singing and those kind of things and get to worship with those folks. But I can tell you that there is one special place in Union County for me, and it's First Baptist Church. I love these other churches. I love these other pastors. But I really, truly love First Baptist Church. Do you know, last Monday was our three-year anniversary. Three years ago, we moved to Blairsville, Georgia on July the 19th, 2018. One thing I remember about that day is that it was hot. (laughs) It was hot. And I thought to myself, dear Lord, I'm moving to Blairsville, Georgia to escape the heat. He said, don't ever miss your blessings. You don't have any gnats. And I said, well, praise the Lord for that. So we're enjoying heat with no gnats. And uh, we're grateful for that. Truly, we are. I would ask you that you be praying for my family uh, this morning. My wife, my precious Benita, lost her brother yesterday. And uh, we're very heavy-hearted today, 69 years old. And he went home to be with the Lord yesterday morning. And uh, so be praying for her, her mom, her other brother and uh, the rest of our family as we undergo that task this week. But we remind ourselves that we grieve, but not like the rest of men who have no hope, because we have a hope. And we're going to talk about that hope this morning in just a little bit. Aren't you glad that we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today? I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. Sing that with me. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. 
He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. Sing it like you mean it. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. Sing it now. He lives. Do that one more time. He lives, and I like it in threes. He lives within my heart. Amen. And you know what? That, that is how we can face life. Is he living within you today? That's my question for you. Is he living within you? Just in case you're curious about that, we're going to give you an opportunity for a self-check this morning. A self-check. Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you, Brother Derek, for reading that scripture for us this morning. And thank you for coming home. Because we missed you while you were gone. And, and can I say to the young, that beautiful young, is it Kaylee? Kayla. Kayla. Kayla Reese. I support an FCA missionary back in Dublin, Georgia, every month. Because I believe in that mission. And God bless you for what you're doing and all that you're doing. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And it reads like this. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Did you know that we stand at a very unusual place in our church this morning? That unusual place is something that I have never experienced. I don't know about you. It's finally we are coming back together as a body of believers after something called COVID turned us upside down. It hit our community. It hit our state. It hit our nation. And it hit our world. I don't know if you've been watching the Olympics over the last few days. You can see impact of COVID right there. And because of that, I want to take just a moment because I don't think these guys uh, get enough praise and recognition. I want to congratulate our ministers and our staff for doing such an awesome job in keeping us all together. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for doing that. That was a monumental task. And I hope that you realize that God took the right people and put them in the right place in the right time to get us through that difficulty called COVID. Now, we also come to an unusual place because we are reestablishing everything that COVID impacted, but we're also in the process of watching a dearly loved, long-tenured senior pastor move into a new phase of his life. And I'm so excited about that for him. In fact, I could go a little bit further than that and tell you that I'm jealous. 
I would love to announce my retirement any day now. However, the bank does not want me to do that. So, I'm not moving into that new phase of life. But Pastor Fred is, and I am so absolutely thrilled for him because of this new phase of his life, this new phase of his ministry. And one other thing that I'm excited about as well is the fact that our church is also moving into a new phase of ministry. Now, as depressing as it may be to see Pastor Fred move on, it's got to be a challenge and a joy for us to know that God is going to continue the message of First Baptist Church on and on and on and on. Now, does that bless you like it blesses me? I hope so. Now, can you see the magnitude of the place in which we stand? This is a very, very important time in the life of our church. Not to mention the fact that our world is in a mess. It is in one more mess. And I believe with everything within me that it's obvious that Jesus will be coming back soon. Now, I also know that Paul said the same thing. <laughs> and it's been a few years since then. So I pray that even today before this service is over that Jesus will come back. You'll be probably praying that as well by the end of the service. Oh, Jesus, please come back. You know, but, but it's okay to wish that because we're Christians and we are looking forward to that time. So now we find ourselves at a particular crossroads. Now, one thing that I have to my advantage is this. I am not a paid staff member. So I can say things to you that paid staff members may not be able to say. With that being said, I want to tell you something. I love you dearly. I really do. The last three years have been the highlight of our lives. When we moved from Dublin, Georgia to Blairsville, Georgia, God has just allowed us to thrive over and above. It is just unbelievable to me the way that God has blessed us. But one thing I found out is that you, as a church, are pretty much like other churches I've been in and served in. So, before I tell you what I want to tell you, have you ever heard that? Uh, when you get up to speak, make sure and tell them what you're going to tell them. Then tell them. And then when you finish, you tell them what you told them. Well, that's kind of the way it goes this morning, but it's not really that way. Before I tell you what I want to tell you, I want to tell you what I'm not telling you. Does that help? <laughs> Romans chapter 7 says, The things I do are the things that I don't want to do, and the things that I don't want to do are the very things that I do, a wretched man that I am. I'm going to tell you some things, but I'm also going to tell you some things that I'm not going to tell you, and I want you to hear the things that I'm not going to tell you before I tell you the things I'm going to tell you. Did you get that? Just call me Paul. No, I'm kidding. And, and in all seriousness, I really do want you to hear this. I will not be saying that you are not loved and that you do not matter. Everyone matters to God. And everyone should matter to us. I did not die for you. And you did not die for me. We should be willing to. But I don't think that any of us have been called to that point yet. I will be saying that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Okay? And 
The main thing is not our opinions. The main thing is the absolute truth of the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. I will be saying some things that are not popular. If you are offended, it was not intentional. But sometimes the word of God is offensive. And I make no apologies for preaching and standing on the truth. Now that I've got you sitting out there thinking, oh my goodness, what is he about to say? Let me share some things with you. Ephesians 4. One of my favorite people in all of Scripture is Paul. And he's standing there and he's addressing the church at Ephesus. And he's telling them, I stand here as a prisoner. I am a prisoner in Rome. And I regard myself as being here because the Lord willed it and the Lord ordered it. So with that, I want to tell you, he encourages them then in their daily walk. Now, our spiritual life, including our church and our worship, is not something that we just do on Sunday. Do you understand that? We do not flip a switch when we walk in the back door and flip a switch when we walk out the back door. We live our Christian testimony every single moment of our lives. It's not just a Sunday thing. So Paul goes on to say, we live it, we breathe it, it encompasses our very being. It's not something that we can compartmentalize and put to the side only to be picked up when convenient. What he does say is this, that our daily walk should be worthy of our calling. Now here's a question. Is your daily walk worthy of your calling? I didn't think so. We are to walk worthy. We must walk after the Spirit, which can only be done by understanding that all strength and help to live our daily walk comes to us through the cross. I want to say that one more time. All strength and help in our daily walk, comes to us through the cross. Now, the scripture goes on in verse 2. Paul says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Wow. Ouch. Amen, brother. What I'm telling you is all of these things are works of the Spirit, not works of the flesh, you see. So what that means to me is you cannot do that in your own ability. You have got to depend on the Holy Spirit of God to empower you to walk in that fashion. Now, if you are not walking in that fashion, that means to me that you are not plugged in to the Holy Spirit of God and what he wants to do in your life. He goes on in this scripture and he says that we must be, are you ready? Listen, eager. There are a few things that I'm eager about. One is breakfast. 
One is lunch and one is dinner. But I'm also eager to counsel people. I love sitting down and listening to your stories. I love sitting down and listening to how God is working in your life and through your life and how you're being challenged. But one thing we've all got to be eager about, listen to this, and I didn't say it, the scripture says it, we must be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Is that you? I'm not sure it is. I'm not sure that I look around and see people who call themselves Christians, who call themselves members of First Baptist Church that are eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Well, let me show you what I'm talking about. First of all, let's get into the points. I've got 17, but I only let Roy put six on the notes. Number one, there is one body. One body. What does that mean? That means there is one body of believers. That means there is one church, one body of Christ. Romans 12, 5 says this. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Now, that might be bad news for you to think that you belong to my body. I read something the other day. We were on vacation. We went to Pigeon Forge in, uh, and in Blairsville. And I saw a guy with a t-shirt on. It was at the water park. And he said, this is not a dad bod. This is a father figure. <laughs> and the truth. You're a part of my body, like it or not. And I'm a part of your body. And we're all part of the body of Christ. Okay? Now, Romans, I'm, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, 18 to 21. Now, once again, listen to this scripture. But now God has placed the members, that's us, each one of them in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or... Again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. Now, to make sure I got this right, I wrote it down. Sometimes I let my mouth overload other things. So, let me read this to you. These are my thoughts. The human body consists of many different components, but it is one unit. There are many hidden internal organs and a multiplicity of visible external members. Each has its own unique function, and yet every single body part needs to interact with every other member and work together, here's a big word for you, synergistically, in order to maintain a strong, healthy, functioning body. Each member is unique, and every individual part has his or her own particular job to do. Some of them sing, some of them preach, some of them teach, some of them use drills and saws, some of them use paintbrushes, some of them hold crying babies, some of them change diapers, some of them empty garbage cans, some of them cook food, some of them pray and cry for others, some of them wear dresses, some of them wear shorts and tennis shoes, some of them wear dentures, some of them wear baseball caps, some of them have money, some of them don't, some of them worship differently from you, some of them enjoy guitars and drums, some of them enjoy orchestras, some enjoy quiet music, 
Some enjoy loud music, but none is less than the other because of their talent, their clothes, their wealth, their standing in the community, or their role in the one body. And for anyone, even you or me, to chastise the other for any of those things is not of Christ. It is not being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It is in direct violation of the Word of God. Oh, me. When one member does not work correctly, or is impaired, or is paralyzed, or is in pain, or is disconnected, it has a significant effect on the rest of the body. The interrelationship of every aspect of the human body is used by Paul to illustrate the beautiful way that each member of the body of Christ is important to the whole and should function and interact with all other members. Now, here's another question for you. Who is the head of the body? Jesus Christ is the head of the body. And just as the head of a human body is the control tower which governs every internal organ and directs each external member to work together in synergistic harmony, so the head of the body, Jesus Christ himself, is the one who governs us. That was number one. There's one body. Number two, there is one spirit. Of course, this is the Holy Spirit who lives in each one of us, and it is an error to say that some have the Spirit and others don't. The Scripture is very clear that when we come to a point that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, once we are saved and we are a part of the body, we, are, we receive the Holy Spirit of God. There is not one time that you receive the Holy Spirit of God and later on you may receive more of the Holy Spirit of God because once the Holy Spirit of God comes into our lives, he seals us. Now, do you know what a sealing is for? To seal something is to not allow anything else in and not to allow anything out. So we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For in one spirit, how many spirits? One spirit, capitalized spirit. We were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So we are sealed. We have all of the Holy Spirit that we're ever going to get once we come to a point that we know Jesus Christ. And we are also sealed against the attacks of Satan. I don't know what that does for you, but that just kind of rocks my world. I like that. So there is one body, there is one spirit, there is one hope. Now in my life today, that is a very important thing. My hope is in Christ. Just like that scripture said, we grieve not like the rest of the men who have no hope. We have hope, but it's hope that I need to define for you. First of all, hope in, in our everyday language comes across as wishful thinking. 
well, you know what? I hope I'll win the lottery. But the truth is, I probably am not going to win the lottery. Because to win the lottery, you have to play the lottery. And I don't play the lottery. Well, I also thought that one day I might win Publishers Clearinghouse. <laughs> Went broke one year ordering magazines. No, not really. That's what we talk about is hope. But we're not talking about that kind of hope. We are talking about a solid hope. A firm hope. A hope that does not and cannot lie. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Woo! Yes. Now, Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. 2 Thessalonians 2.14, he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory, hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.27, and this is the one that I really, really love. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, praise God for that. One hope. There's also one Lord. The scripture here, the Greek word is kurios. He to whom a person or thing belongs. He is my Lord. He is my owner. He is my master. He is my savior. He is all those things. He bought me with his blood. There was a great exchange that took place. He took my sin and gave me his life. Praise the Lord for that. This hope, this, this Lord refers specifically to Jesus Christ. Now, here's a question for you. If we all have the same Lord, the same master, we will not be getting orders from our master to be in disagreement with each other. His commands will not contradict or cause disunity among his spirit, his servants. So the only way disunity occurs is when we disobey our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. I'll let that sink in for a minute. Number five. There's one faith. Jesus said, I love this. Oh, I love this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by being at church every time the doors are open. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by being a deacon. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by singing hymns, by singing contemporary music. No. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is no other way except through the shed blood of Jesus Christ who redeems us from our terrible sinful nature. Now, you know what that does? That causes unity. Huh? Yes. 
One faith, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, nobody comes to the Father but by me, causes unity. What do you mean? That means no one can boast in themselves for their salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it is a gift of God lest anyone should boast. Galatians 6, 14, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And anything else, my friend, is foreign to that. Now, Oprah would tell you there's another way. But Oprah's taking you for a ride. And I could go on and on, and I don't need to name names. I think you get my point. There is also one baptism. And since the Holy Spirit is the seal of salvation, the idea of a subsequent baptism in the Holy Spirit would render those who have not received their baptism unsealed, as we talked about earlier. And we know that's not true. Now, one of my heroes in the faith is a man by the name of J. Vernon McGee. I've told you that before. J. Vernon McGee was from Texas, but he preached in California. And boy, could he preach. What an awesome man of God. I'm gonna, I've got his doctrinal statement picked up right off the internet. So if you think I'm smart, you're sadly mistaken. We believe that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the blessed Trinity, though omnipresent from all eternity, took up his abode in the world in a special sense on the day of Pentecost, according to the divine promise, dwells in every believer, and by his baptism unites all to Christ in one body, and that he, as the indwelling one, is the source of all power and all acceptable worship and service. You don't get half price and half product. It was the full price of Jesus Christ on the cross, and it is the full product of the baptism of the Holy Spirit once we become saved. Number seven, there is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Now, let me point something out to you. This is very important. This is only speaking of the redeemed. This is only speaking of those who are saved. This is not saying that God is the father of everybody because we know that those outside of the blood of Christ, their father is Satan who is a liar. Remember? That's what scripture says. Now the word for God is theos. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Uh, That's the Godhead, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is spoken of the only and true God and refers to the things of God. But now when he goes on and says Father of all, I was always fascinated by that word Father when it says I can call God Abba Father. And I used to say that that's what a little Jewish boy um, called his daddy, but I found out that that's not necessarily the case. It's a lot deeper than that. Now, that is one's own father. When it says Abba Father, that's one's own father indicating an intimacy. But the word for father here is the word pater, P-A-T-E-R. And what that resembles to me is the word paternity, okay? The meaning here is that God is the common father of all his people, the rich and the poor, the bond and the free, the learned and the unlearned. He is no respecter of persons. Nothing would tend more to overcome the prejudices of color, rank, and wealth than to feel that we all have one father and that we are all equally the objects of his favor. 
Now, I heard a story one time. Back in the frontier days, there was a little town, and they had two churches there. Well, at, yeah, two churches had been founded, a Baptist church and a Christian church. And both congregations dwindled because people would pick up and move back in the frontier days. And so they took all of the members of both churches and put them together, and what they wanted to do, the Baptists wanted the church to be called Central Baptist Church. But the people from the Christian church wanted to be called Central Christian Church. And finally, one old lady who had sat through many tired hours of disagreement and bickering stood up in the back and said, my daddy was a Baptist, my mama was a Baptist, I grew up Baptist, there ain't no way you're going to call me a Christian. Ow! And we laugh. But what do we say through our lifestyle? Are we going to let silly things like the name of a church or the preference of music or whether I raise my voice too loud in the pulpit or the color of the carpet or the bird nest that's up in the eaves of the church that nobody ever got down and one time he pooped in your head. Are we going to let silly things like that take us away from what we're supposed to be here for? The argument here is this. As the same God dwells in every heart, we ought to be one. It's the power of one. God has called us to go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever. I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you all the way even to the end of the world. How are we going to do that with all this other silly stuff getting in the way? Jesus said that you should be my witnesses in Jude Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all of the other parts of the earth. How are we going to do that when we let silly little things get in the way? I heard a preacher tell one time, and, and he said this to me specifically, wherever a rat can get his nose, he can get the rest of his body. You better be careful. Let's all be careful. And here's why. And with this, I'll close. Ephesians 4, 29 to 32 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Rather, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You know, one thing that bothers me, and it's me, and I'm telling you my opinion, but is that our, what I consider our altar, rarely gets flooded. I would love to think, and I, and I believe with everything within me, that there are people out there who are praying for our search team. But what I'd really love to see is this altar flooded with people praying for our search team. 
I would love to see this altar flooded with people praying for our next pastor. I'd love to see this altar flooded with people praying for Pastor Fred as he slips out. I would love to see this altar flooded with people who are praying about all those outside of these walls who are lost and dying and going to hell without Jesus. And when I weigh the important things, the rest doesn't matter very much, does it? It's all about the power of one. Would you pray with me? Father, Father of all of us who are saved and name the name Jesus, I pray, God, that in this place, Lord, that you would show up in a major way. Not because of the preaching, not because of our music, not because of our expertise or our standing in the community or anything else, but that the Holy Spirit of God would show up in this place and would shake us beyond measure to realize that the time is nigh. To realize that our time is running out to reach a lost and dying world for Jesus. Father, I don't know individual hearts in here. It's not up to me to know that. It's up to you to know that. But I pray, God, that you would permeate anything that would stop your spirit. Father, that you would overtake us all as we lay our hearts and lives before you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.